0: This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That's 20 years of dedicated coverage of Texas art spaces and artists, 20 years of hard work by our editors and writers, and 20 years of showing the world all our state has to offer. Since we're a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to donate to Glass Tire to keep our work going, you can become a sustaining donor or make a one-time gift at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Also, if you like our podcast, please consider subscribing to us and leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, and enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Art Dirt, uh, where we at Glass Tire um, have a podcast every other week and we discuss topical art topics, as we like to say. My name is Christina Reese. And my name is Christopher Blay. So, um, Christopher, the reason uh, you and I are doing this this week is because one of the things that we were talking about in a staff meeting earlier this week was um, the explosion of murals all over the state of Texas, especially over this pandemic. Now, there's been an explosion of murals all over the United States during this pandemic. Um, and we're going to talk about what we think of this and the whole nine yards. So tell me what—tell what, me your take on this as news editor for Glass Tower, what's kind of going on.
2: Yeah, I've just noticed... A trend towards all the or most of the open calls, um, including open calls for murals, uh, commissioning artists to create murals. Uh, The most recent ones have come out of Fort Worth. Uh, Some of them have come out of uh, Corpus Christi, um, Houston, San Antonio. The big one was. Uh, this $50,000 open call in Fort Worth from the, uh, people at the near South. Uh, it's like a LLC in Fort Worth that did an open call for artists to find someone for a new building that they're building in, uh, South of downtown Fort Worth. And yeah, it's like a $50,000 open call and, uh, one artist will be selected uh, on this the facade of a parking garage, so it's a pretty big commission. And then um, Art Space One Eleven in Fort Worth just uh, did like an eight thousand dollar commission. They're popping up a lot.
1: And even though we're not doing too much driving around Texas, when we are driving around Texas, what little we're doing, we're seeing them. We're seeing more murals. I mean, that was our job before, is to drive all over Texas. I'm seeing new murals everywhere. Um, and, you know, the difference between, say, a private business developer or a private business owner who wants to commission a mural versus a local government or a community group, there are differences. And, but all of them are commissioning murals right now. <laughs> it's, there's like, you know, there's no there's and, and the, of course, and the impact is ultimately the same as you have a very large new graphic artwork on the side of a building whether it's a private building or public, whether it's considered public artwork, it just is public artwork, and um, and we can't avoid it. So, what have you noticed?
2: Well, yeah, and we should make the distinction between the murals that are being commissioned and the murals that are going up by individuals in cities. Some of them uh, honoring people that have been killed by police, uh, like George Floyd. Um, some of them for other violence uh, against women, like um, a Tatiana Jefferson, Brianna Taylor, Vanessa Guillen, and so yeah, those those murals are happening, and they've always happened uh, here in Houston. There are a few to DJ Screw and um, other people that just individual artists decide I want to put something up. And it's not graffiti. It's art. It's happening by the impetus of these individuals. Uh, and then the commission works. You know, part of my thinking about it has been that, uh, like, just wondering: is it just easier for a city to commission like a five to ten thousand dollar mural, or uh, versus like a you know half a million dollar public artwork? Or like a three hundred thousand dollar public artwork, but regardless, um, it is it is being commissioned, and I'm just trying to understand where it's coming from, what the what the impetus is, and you know how how is it going to play in the public?
1: Yeah, are these. Do we want to look at these? Do we not want to look at these? Especially some of the commissions. But you know what? I mean, the inorganic versus the kind of organic uh, appearance of murals has always happened as far as I know. And and certainly even in places like Dallas and Houston, you know, there are neighborhoods that in small sections of neighborhoods or large sections of neighborhoods that are, are where mo- many of the walls, especially in old manufacturing districts that have been turned into kind of warehouse and bohemian districts, I mean, they're just covered in graffiti, but it's it becomes an aesthetic. I mean, graffiti kind of breeds graffiti in a sense, but then it becomes essentially a kind of mural aesthetic. I'm thinking about like Fabrication Street in Dallas, um, or there's a there's an area in Houston, um, and I haven't lived in Houston that long, and you haven't either, but that the. There's a, what is it? It's um, between Nance and Sterrett Street, kind of north of downtown. Reminds me of Fabrication Street. I mean, that stuff is like, these are individuals just getting out there and doing their thing. So, yeah, I
2: drove around the St. Emmanuel neighborhood uh, a couple of days ago just to check out the murals that are out there. And that's where I saw, like, the really big mural to DJ Screw But then there are also other murals, uh, musicians. Houston is a space city, so, you know, there are a lot of uh, astronauts and and a remarkable amount of uh, taco lovers, like, tagging these uh, murals with tacos. But, uh, you know, and around the city, in Houston particularly, there are, there's, you know, going back to the works progress administration days of the 30s when artists were commissioned to make murals for this for cities because there everybody was unemployed and you know over a thousand of these murals ended up in post offices it was like this uh a concerted effort and planned like introduction to uh art and public places by mm-hmm. a lot of uh, different artists and I think what's happening now is that because it's such a hodgepodge of uh, commissions and individuals and businesses, there's no sort of unifying aesthetic other than the idea that these things have to be like beautiful and benign and uh, like approachable. You can't piss someone off with the art that you're creating on the wall of a business or in the public. So, yeah. Yeah that's part of my concern is
1: and yet sometimes they do piss off people and maybe not for the most obvious reasons it's like do you remember uh i don't and you were in fort worth i was living in dallas and by the way i lived i lived in expo park which has its own share of murals and 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 right on the edge of deep And but um a big uh, heading into the cedars from downtown a big umbrella went up do you Mm -hmm. remember the umbrella i remember that I mean, I'm sorry to the artist. I'm sure this is a nice person, but I think the umbrella is horrible. I don't, it was, it's a private commission, but it's 42 feet tall and it's in the middle of this uh, median in the roadway. You can't avoid it. It's just there. I was like, why is this in Dallas? Like, well, shouldn't it be in Seattle or an umbrella? Like, really? What's going on? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. But on the other hand, we can't get upset about these things because they just, they're going to happen. These things just, they happen. But that's
2: it. the thing, though. It's in the public sphere. So it, it can be criticized because I can't avoid it unless, you know, yeah, you're experiencing it on your walk while you're doing your commute. It's unavoidable. It is in your face in public. So for one individual to decide that, you know, this is going up here, I'm fine with that. You know, I, I don't want it to be like <laughs> controlled or edited, but if it's in the public and people get tired of seeing it, people should have the, the space to say what the hell is going on. And I mm. think that, Because, yeah, 10 years from now, some of these murals are not going to have the same uh, appeal, aesthetic appeal that they have now. Or someone will buy a building and decide they want something completely different on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe the artists are okay with this, you know, idea that it's going to be gone in two or three years. But for, like, big commissions. Uh, I was reading something uh, from 2010 on Glass Tire. Um, I think Kelly Klasmer wrote about it. Yeah, there was a John Biggers mural um, at TSU that was painted over um, and this guy said something about it being an eyesore and he wanted something new and something different there. So I think these... Like big commissions, uh, run the risk of uh, like losing relevance either to the people that commissioned it or uh, people don't want to care about it long term, mm-hmm. and it just it just adds to that hodgepodge nature of it. And for things that are so public, um, it becomes a problem when people no longer want it or don't want to take care of it. So I think there needs to be um, <laughs> If we can come to any kind of general consensus, there needs to be some kind of way we can uh, commission artists to put work in public and make sure that it's respected and have some level of curation happening.
1: You know, one of the things that the private business owners can do is they can just commission whatever the heck they want, like a giant umbrella And a giant bowler hat, which was another thing that that guy put up. Um, But when it's done by local, by communities and local governments uh, and local community groups, it's often by committee. And you and I were talking about that before we started recording. And by committee often means that whatever goes up is going to be not particularly offensive or problematic. It should be, you know, it will be a pretty benign, thing usually although when when it can be really nice is when it has something to do with historically with the community or with people who lived or worked there i like the i like the aspect of having of commissioning something that's specific to the neighborhood that it's in that always kind of seems like a good idea but we don't necessarily end up with the most exciting stuff when we design things by committee i mean that's just true across the world um the world of design the world of art but um so i to me that there, there's there's that as well as what you're saying which is like what is the these things are ephemeral i'd like to think that some of these artists who are jumping into open calls who've never done murals before understand that there's a very good chance that in two three years time that mural is not going to be there anymore there's the possibility that if it becomes something that feels important to the community or to the building owner or to people who've invested in it one way or the other that they will maintain it um Christina Frazier, who was our San Antonio Writing Prize winner, her winning essay for us was about a a mural by an artist in San Antonio named Christopher Montoya, and his mural has been taken care of by the community. He's not the one touching it up. It's the people in the community who are keeping it touched up, which also means that it changes a little bit with time. And to me that's another thing that happens as we're getting older, one thing that I'm learning to do is let go. Like don't get worked up over this stuff. Everything changes. I love the way an unadorned, beautiful industrial building looks in a cityscape with nothing on it. I think that I, I think that architects spend time thinking about what their building is going to look like. And I tend to have great respect for that. I would never expect that building to not be tagged or to not get a mural put on it at some point. I just think that that's... And I also don't expect it to stick around for that long, especially in places like Houston and Dallas, which are just happy to tear down any piece of history, you know, as soon as a more profitable development can come along. So I don't get too attached to things in that, in the way I used to. I used to get angry about these things, and I don't anymore. Now it's just part of... And it's also part of the politics of a city. And, I mean, there isn't... I don't think that there's any city in the world that doesn't have murals and that doesn't have graffiti and i don't care how democratic it is or how fascist it is people use these as signs and signals and governments use them and fascist dictators use them and democracies use them and little sweet communities use them it's a form of communication and you can't keep people from communicating they will communicate with each other it is just it's human impulse to do it we can't keep it in you know under a lid and we shouldn't even try to
0: thanks to this week's podcast sponsor texas talks art a new series of virtual 30-minute lunchtime conversations each talk features curators from texas's leading cultural institutions along with the most exciting artists from across the lone star state Tune in every Tuesday at noon CST for these virtual talks, which are happening all throughout 2021. All of the talks are free and open to the public, and you can see the full schedule and register for upcoming talks at texastalksart.org.
2: I just wonder if artists are being commissioned to beautify cities in a way that kind of ignores the time that we live in. And it's it's like some of it is great design and it makes me wonder whether, you know, designers shouldn't be at the helm of these things. Like, let's design something for your building and let's commission artists for for like art that is going to be here for a minute that we can talk about um and that's not to say that these commissions don't support artists in in these like really tough times that that we're in i think it's important mm-hmm. that you know cities support artists in whatever way they can it just feels like there's so many murals and so many <laughs> You know, electrical boxes. Um, so, so many I've been electrical on, boxes. Yeah, I've been on committees for selecting artists for commissions like this. And I mean, I, like, part of me thinks it's just like we're, we can do this instead of giving artists real money. And that's where sometimes I have. A problem with it
1: oh yeah 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 and you know that there are these kind of badass designers who do this mostly and only this especially and i'm not talking about public sculpture i'm talking about public paintings on the sides of buildings we ran a piece by garland fielder recently he did a, an interview with kind of a mural i don't even know what, he's an artist called joseph cristoffoletti and these are big, super striking, hyper-professional and professionalized murals. I think he probably gets paid a lot to do them. I would assume that the building owners who commission the stuff do what they can to keep up with it. But he's already in the game, you know? And so he knows what's at stake. But you're right, there are a lot of artists who don't even necessarily understand what's at stake if they're being asked to jump into this kind of new game. Uh With these big commissions, people are actually coming
2: from out of state, like that near Southside thing, for example. Um, It's attracting international artists, which that's great. Um, And they have the style and aesthetic that the people that are making these commissions want. But it's uh, I just I feel like there's. You're either like sitting a committee of like 15 people down to decide on one thing, which kind of reminds me of the episode of Community where they're looking for a mascot for their <laughs> community college. And it ends up being just this like person in a gray bodysuit without anything that offends anybody. But it's kind of like, yeah, people are coming in and bringing um, something that's. Beautiful and attractive, but for me, have very little connection with um, the city that that it's put in. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should just chill and not give a fuck about what murals are going up anywhere. But it just, it feels like they're just, there are a lot of them and no one's really, like, pausing to, like, consider the the public space and i wonder if we
1: shouldn't no i you're right i mean the but in my dark heart of hearts i am 100 percent with you i just i feel like because we can't control it i would rather roll with it and I also and I don't want to seem like I'm, I keep sort of like conflating graffiti and murals. I don't mean to do that in a way that's ahistorical. historical. You know what I'm what I'm and you're talking about WPA murals, which tend to be almost uniformly incredibly beautiful. Um, some of these new murals are actually beautiful as well. But, you know, what's what happened in the 80s and 90s is when graffiti art started to make a jump from the street into the gallery and then also, of course, with the rise of Banksy, we have certain aesthetics that have made it into our mural art that have become a real part of it, a real part of the language and the tropes. And some of that we're seeing, we're seeing, uh, you're seeing actually like big expensive boutique hotels commissioning Banksy-like murals for the size of their buildings. It's not Banksy; he didn't do it. He doesn't live in Houston, um, and he doesn't do gr- he doesn't do murals in Houston. But other people. Do these pastiches of Banksy, and of course, they're probably making a lot of money too. But there's just been—that's just part of the evolution—is kind of the visual language of these uh, can borrow heavily from, you know, from graffiti artists who really pioneered an aesthetic and uh, and continue to do so. I did a story for the Dallas Observer in the probably the mid '90s on the graffiti artists who were really, really active on the trains and in Deep Ellum in Dallas during that time. And I followed them around and I went to to the trains with them at, you know, two o'clock in the morning with their spray cans and everything. And I've got to say, I mean, some of their art was really good. They did it a lot in order to get good at it and to get fast some of them were also being commissioned by businesses to paint the sides of their buildings. I mean, they were doing illegal stuff, and they were doing legal stuff at the same time. And that there wasn't a huge difference in their art between whether they were tagging the side of a train or uh, being paid by a business owner to put something similar on the side of a building.
2: And I think that's brilliant. And if I can, like, give one takeaway here is that I I think it would be pretty badass if artists were simply commissioned to do what they're doing um right. no design team no crew like pick someone have an opinion about your building have an opinion about uh, your space and just say i like what this person is doing and i'm gonna commission them to keep doing what they're doing because some of that stuff doesn't even translate from, uh, say, a painting or a drawing or a photograph to a mural. and But some of it does and some of it is spontaneous and the kind of reaction that artists have to the world. And I think supporting that is a really great way of um, sort of like, making this mural thing work for me. I think you just, you get artists that are already doing what they're doing. And most of, yeah, some of these people being commissioned are legit artists that are putting things out there uh, because they, you know, they apply for the commission and they want it. But then uh, some of the work is by designers that want to like fit that box of the open call and give you exactly what you asked for which can be I don't know sometimes it's good to look at but most of the time it's not and it's in and it's big and it's in the public
1: and And it doesn't mean anything it doesn't do anything Yeah, yeah I mean
2: it's not it's it's beautification and if we're
1: doesn't beautify the side. I mean, I like the side of a building without anything on it. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's taking someone. It's like uh, interrupting someone else's final design with something that may or may not go with that final design. Yeah, who knows? I I can't stop commissions from happening, and oh. if it's there. We can talk about it.
1: You know, it's weird, too, because it feels like to me, like the like street art and graffiti and to some degree murals, although murals may be this may be a conversation that's, you know, that's taking place at a time where what you're describing, like instead of having artists change what they do in order to make a mural that looks like a mural styled mural just let them do what they do let them innovate let them be resourceful because that's what artists do Um, and allow murals to turn into to evolve and to turn into something else something other than what they even are right now Um, and that may be happening but there is an interesting sort of there are all these as you know there are all these kind of subdivides or sub excuse me subdivisions or or subcultures within art. I mean there's like There's even people who feel like photography is not the same as the rest of fine art. But there's plenty of people who feel like street art and mural art and graffiti art are kind of all the same. There's a huge audience for it, by the way. And often when Glass Tire runs a story, especially on graffiti artists, especially graffiti artists who have any name recognition, those can be some of our most trafficked posts on the site. And then there are also tons of people... Who are interested in these kind of these smaller constant commissions that are happening in cities? And of course, Houston does it in Fort Worth. Almost every city has the electrical boxes thing. Our electrical boxes piece that was published years ago is still one of the most trafficked pieces on our website. Still got legs, um, and people are still, yeah, saying, leave the electrical
2: boxes people alone. And other people are saying, yeah, good riddance. What I hope for is. For artists to keep working, it feels like a real a feedback loop of where uh, someone that wants a mural will go will have a pretty good idea of what mural they want because they've been looking around at other murals, or they begin a search by looking at murals and they say, "Oh, I want it to look like kind of something like this." And then they commission someone that moves the mural aesthetic towards that and then someone else picks that up. So it's like the original idea is lost and all that's being fed in the the mural loop is maybe that first uh, (laughs) mural that had all those design elements and uh, that someone really liked. And now it's like most of the murals look alike.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. They're all pastiches of one another. Um, in some cases, I will say um, that one of the most graphically striking and also one of the most moving things that's happened over the pandemic. And of course, as everyone has had to just be outside instead of inside together. That's one of the reasons so much of this artwork has moved outdoors. But I want to say that going out and painting Black Lives Matter on the street uh on big intersections in the middle of city streets. First of all, what an awesome canvas, because it's giant and it's flat and it's uninterrupted and you can get aerial shots of it. And this also comes around to the fact that it looks really good, like it photographs beautifully. And it's a great way to message this thing. But, you know, the, talk about ephemeral. I mean, people who go out and volunteer and paint a giant Black Lives Matter text on a street they know that that's probably not going to be there in a year or less because there's traffic going over it the whole time. Right. I don't know how much these are being maintained, but what I do love is that they have been extensively photographed and therefore historicized, and they're almost they're almost made to sort of disappear with time. There's a spontaneity to that too that, um, you know, there for
2: as many Black Lives Matter murals. Or just the phrase "Black Lives Matter." Uh, there are uh, as many varieties. Um, some of those, like you describe, are going down on the streets. Some are going on buildings, and they are, yeah, they are ephemeral, but they are—they're present. They're here. They're—they understand what's happening right now, and even—I mean, you can't. Um, you can't diminish a Black Lives Matter uh, slogan or graffiti or mural because it's in the news, it's here, it's present, and people are engaged with it.
1: And it's sincere. It's incredibly sincere.
2: Yeah, it's coming from a place that that is now, that is relevant, and that's important. And I think that's, that's one of the tenets of... Um, public art and murals that I think sometimes is missing from like multiple regular commissions. You know, there are thousands of these things in Texas and probably around the country. Um, How do we sort of like wade through and, and put something out there that sort of is um, worthy of the artists that create them? And worthy of the neighborhood that it's in.
1: Well, so what we're I think we're still watching this evolution of murals, and we we'll, and um and we're in the middle of it. You know, we're in the middle of this, and as the pandemic starts to slow down and some sort of herd immunity, the <laughs> the remote and promised herd immunity is coming our way uh more people will be going back into galleries and museums to see art but i don't think the mural thing is going to slow down and of course what i didn't touch on at the very top of this was that one of the reasons murals have become so popular is because they're instagrammable and people like to and a lot and what you're talking about with these designs that are just regurgitated a lot of it is like what looks good on an instagram backdrop you know and so um Betsy Hewitt wrote a piece for us in 2019 about you know these are just kind of saccharine sweet just backdrops and they don't even they don't do anything other than just like she she was just not not a huge fan and I understand that and it's that's again that's like
2: <sighs> yeah I read that article about how it's the about the I love you so much um, scribble. On the wall at the, I think it's a taco place or something in Austin, mm-hmm. and then a lot of uh, <laughs> love murals started popping up everywhere in Houston. I don't think I ever saw one of them, but
1: I wonder if the, I wonder if they're still there.
2: <laughs> and yeah, but it's kind of like taking that authentic moment and then transforming it into like just this like multiples of itself that is diminished at each iteration i mean i if that doesn't describe like a glut of thousands of murals across you know dozens of cities i don't know what does
1: Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll send you we'll send you back out in the world to look around. I was just on a really long walk um, because it was a beautiful day here in Houston, and I walked through a local park and noticed, really, for the first time, that somebody had painted probably about I want to say thirty feet of length of fence with what looked very much almost like a, and I would say it was young people. My guess it was it was kids. But they had some sort of design element. It looked very Matisse-like, and it had lions and cats and dogs, and kind of the inter- and a very Matisse-like interior. And it was not like that. It wasn't like the most be- beautifully painted thing in the world. But oh my god, it's so charming! It was. I should have taken a picture of it. And I was like, you know, I know we're about to talk about murals. I happen to like this fence mural. <laughs>
2: Did you, you say you took a picture or you did not?
1: I will. I'll take a picture of it tomorrow. But um, I just, you know, I, I'm getting... My eyes are getting more used to it, I guess, is one of the things I'm saying, too, is I see more of them and my eyes are getting more used to it. And the, the way that these are becoming more a part of our landscape is I'm personally just getting... Um, not desensitized—that's not the right word. Tolerance is not the right word either. But I—I—I'm just sort of letting it wash through me, you know, and just letting them be what they are. That's fine. It's totally fine. And Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they really surprise you. Um. Uh, okay. Well, anything else you want to add?
2: No. I think. I mean, that. I think that does it. Please proceed <laughs> cautiously with more murals uh, let's let's give a moment to consider the ones we have and see whether we need more and uh, what they should look like
1: i should probably shouldn't volunteer both of us to be on committees um for public arts but you know but we can but we are available <laughs> if anyone's thinking about putting a giant mural up in the state of texas feel free to to uh, consult with us. <laughs> we'll, we will have some opinions. Let's talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right, everyone. Uh, take care this week. And uh, if you want to go see some art, mask up and go see some murals. Go, <laughs> go see
2: some murals and go see some art.
0: Today's podcast is sponsored in part by Texas Talks Art, a new series of virtual 30-minute lunchtime conversations. The talks feature curators from Texas's leading cultural institutions and the most exciting artists from across the Lone Star State. Tune in every Tuesday at noon CST for these virtual talks, which are happening throughout all of 2021. All of the talks are free and open to the public. You can see a full schedule and register for upcoming talks at texastalksart.org. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.